Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Alongside me, got my co-host, Mason. Say what's going on, everybody. What's happening? We're back, episode five. A little bit of back-to-back. We got you an episode yesterday. We're giving you another epi today. It's a good day if you're a 50-50 fantasy fan. Um, we, we appreciate the support we've been getting. It's, it's been awesome, boys. But we're skipping through the, the training camp news today. We, we touched on most of the important stuff yesterday, and we're going over a loaded division in terms of fantasy football. Um, we're going through the Raiders. We're going through the Chiefs. We're going through the Broncos. We're going through the Chargers. We're going through the AFC West. So we are excited for this episode. We got a lot to get into. So let's start it up, Mikey. I want to hear, uh, hear your thoughts on this Raiders offense. Yeah, well, in my opinion, they're the worst of the four, but that's – actually not really saying anything about them. I still think they have a great offense, but it's just saying how loaded this division is for uh, fantasy. And to think that these teams all play each other twice per year is going to be absolutely insane to watch. I no idea what this division is going to look like. I have a sneaky feeling the Chargers will be on top, but we'll get to that later. But as far as the Raiders go, the biggest standout of the offseason was the obvious. Uh, we talked about that when we did the NFC North video. Um, it was the Devontae Adams trade. And that gives Derek Carr his first elite wide receiver that he's ever had. Uh, and I, I like Derek Carr. I always have. And I think that this could be the like the step in the right direction for him. And I think that this could be one of his career years as far as passing efficiency goes and touchdowns. I think that if they can stay healthy, this offense is going to be pretty good. But it's just kind of crazy that they would be the worst in the division. It's just how good this division is. Um, so Devontae, we don't even need to talk about him. We know who he is. We know what he's done. Um, as far as fantasy production from him goes, I think he'll take a little bit of a step back. Uh, but if you can get him in like that mid to early second round in fantasy, you take that. Uh, he's going to be a target um, machine this year. He's going to get a lot. Uh, moving to the tight end room, the obvious Darren Waller. Um, if he stays healthy, we know what he's like. He is an ultimate tight end and he's a top three and he has been like that for multiple years now. We know we're getting with him. Um, and Hunter Renfro, I'm a big fan of, I really like him as far as a slot receiver goes. 
probably one of the best in the NFL. Um, is he worth rostering and playing every week? I guess we'll have to see how good this offense is. But now I'll slide it to you, Mace. What do you think about this running back room? I I think what we're going to see is very similar to a Patriots-esque kind of usage of these running backs. Obviously, McDaniels is in there as the head coach. Um, and I think that's that's really going to translate into a running back by committee, obviously led by Josh Jacobs. But I think they're definitely going to be mixing in a little bit of Brandon Bolden, a little bit of Zamir White, and a little bit of Kenyon Drake. I think there's going to be games where we see all four of those guys get touches to some extent. Again, Josh Jacobs will be the main guy, but I think they drafted Zamir White for a reason. Um, the only thing that kind of makes me think Jacobs could possibly retain um, a, a relevant role in terms of in terms of usage is that it is likely his last year at the team. So they're not necessarily going to be worried about him getting hurt. They're not going to be having him on a, on a snap count for any any reason um, because I really don't see them re-signing Jacobs unless he's willing to take a team-friendly contract. But that, that could also go the other way, right? Maybe in their head, they're thinking, oh, okay, Jacobs is gone. Let's get Zamir White, our possible future RB of the future, some touches. So that really could go either way. But I do think we're going to see touches for all four of these guys on a consistent basis. They're going to run with the hot hand. They're going to run with the guy that's better uh, situationally based on where they are on the field. Um, I don't think Josh McDaniels really cares that Josh Jacobs has been their workhorse running back. He's going to come in and change up the whole style of this offense. Um, in terms of Derek Carr, like you said, I think this is his year. Um, the most elite wide receiver that he has had would have been, it, it would have been Amari Cooper. Um, mm. But even Amari Cooper, the best year, because Derek Carr's big year was in 2016. That was the year he was third in MVP voting. Unfortunately, got injured right before playoffs. Um, that was Derek Carr's really big year. And even in that season, Amari Cooper, who, again, was the closest thing to an elite wide receiver he's ever had in that season, still only had 1,150 yards and five touchdowns. So, like you said, he has never had a guy like Devontae Adams. Um, and Devontae Adams is going to do his thing. Like you said, he's going to be great. Obviously, he's not going to get the targets that he did in Green Bay because there was nobody else in Green Bay. There was Aaron Jones getting targets, Marquez Valdez-Scantley getting the occasional deep ball. Uh, Robert Tunyon a couple years ago kind of absorbed a lot of red zone. But for the most part, Devontae Adams in Green Bay was the guy. And there was really, since Randall Cobb was good, hasn't been a legit number two behind him. Um, so coming to Oakland, he does have a lot more competition for targets in terms of Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, both guys that we know Derek Carr already has a rapport with and, and loves throwing the ball to. But that being said, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. His talent commands the targets, um, and he's going to get those targets no matter what, just maybe not to the absolutely astronomical extent that he did in Green Bay. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well with the Raiders. Um, I think these guys will be pretty good, but it's just, again, it's it's hard to make up the playoffs in this division, you know? Like, they're playing six of their games against top-tier AFC teams. Not even just top-tier AFC teams, but top-tier NFL teams. And we can't say that about Denver yet because we don't know, but them getting rust, we knew that all – they Denver has needed a quarterback for five years. 
And now they're now they have that. Um, I love the Broncos, and we'll get into that when we get to them. Um, but as far as the Raiders go, I think I agree with you. Well, let's go say? for it then, Mikey. Let, let's move on to it then. If you Broncos? want to talk Russell, yeah, let's move hey. on. Let's get hey, going. We'll talk with about it. the Broncos you want, then. You want to talk Russell Wilson? Let's talk Russell Wilson, brother. Let's go. All righty. You want to start with it? I'll, I'll leave it with you. It seems okay. you, you have you okay. have something to say here. All right. Well, I mean, the obvious of this team, they got their quarterback, like I just said. Um, they've needed one and they got one. Now, who do I think benefits most from this? I just think the whole team does. Um, I personally think with the receiving room, uh, this is a really 50-50 thing. And I think it, it stems from sort of Seattle, even with Metcalf and Lockett. And it's like, who do you pick there? But personally, if I was drafting, I would usually take Judy just because of the round value. Uh, sudden, a lot of injuries. Um, ACL, he's coming off that. But I don't know, man. It's tough because it's you could really screw yourself over if you take sudden and then Judy's his guy. And even on like even from camp news, I haven't really heard anything about who his preferred target is. Uh, we've heard that Montreal Washington, the rookie, has been pretty solid. Um, but nothing about who his preferred target of the one, two would be. And it's surprising because I thought by now it's about a weekend, over a weekend by now, um, that we haven't really heard anything, but as far as that goes, um, I'm sure you have your own opinions on it, but just before I I slide it over to you, um, I have another question for you. Um, Javante or Melvin, what's that going to look like? Look, what's the workload going to look like? Yeah. I want your opinion on that. I, th- I think we're seeing off the off the bat this year. I think we're probably seeing sixty percent Javante, forty percent Melvin, kind of as a workload. I don't think at all that this is exclusively Javante Williams' backfield, and I think it'd be kind of silly to assume that um, they wouldn't have brought Melvin back if they wanted to turn this into a one RB backfield. There's, there was other options. There was lots of running backs. They could have gone and drafted late if they just wanted some depth. They have Mike Boone if they wanted some depth. I think it's clear that they still want to use Melvin Gordon as a player. Um, he's not like this old guy that's non-productive like a James Conner who's going in and running up the middle for three yards per carry. Melvin Gordon is still highly productive on a per-carry basis last year, and sometimes you're going to want that experience out there. Uh, especially with a running back that runs as hard as Javante Williams does. You can't count out injury. He's been healthy over his football career, but the guy runs hard and never shies away from, from contact. So I I think Melvin Gordon is still going to get his work. Obviously, throughout the season, I think we're going to start to see Javante command higher workload due to his productivity. I think he is going to be a highly efficient runner this year. He's going to prove he can catch the ball a lot more than he did last year. So I think throughout the season, he might be kind of one of those guys that you're disappointed in if you draft him in the second round, but come weeks 10, 12 on, I think that's when he's going to really take off, especially as an older back like Melvin Gordon starts to slow down. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we see Javante take off later in the year. That being said, I would still gladly take him late second, early third, because when, when it gets down to it, the important weeks, the weeks that you have to win are those late season weeks. And that's when Javante Williams can be hitting his stride and going absolutely off in this offense. Um, in terms of goal line carries, I'm really just not concerned about it. Melvin Gordon is going to steal some. Absolutely. 
there's there's going to be those super frustrating drives as Javante Williams owners where you watch them just march down. Javante Williams rips off two or three big runs. They get down to the one-yard line, and it's Melvin Gordon in there, and he runs it in. It's going to happen. You just have to accept that if you're drafting Javante Williams. But this team is going to be in the red zone, on the goal line, so much more with Russell Wilson that I'm not concerned about it. I don't see any – Melvin Gordon could steal away six touchdowns this year, seven touchdowns, and I still feel comfortable predicting an eight-touchdown season for Javante Williams. They're both going to score a lot because this offense is going to score a lot, and they don't have a real red zone target. So I think they're going to lean heavily on the backs in the red zone. It's going to lead to lots of touchdowns for both of these guys. But obviously the guy that you're wanting out of here is Javante Williams. He's going to be lighting it up when you need him to. Um, in terms of Russell Wilson and that whole passing game, I think Russell Wilson is getting far too much of a boost from this, from this move. I don't see personnel-wise really an, an increase in talent around him. Um, we got to remember, he was coming from a team that had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to throw to. Sutton and Judy, at this point, um, have not been anywhere near the production. And of course, they haven't had the quarterback play. So it's it's really not fair to judge them. But I just don't see this being as much of an upgrade for Russell Wilson for fantasy as people are seeing. Um, the one thing that could really, really impact Russell Wilson is the change of head coach because that was the mm. one thing yes he had all the weapons in Seattle but Pete Carroll wanted to run all the time no matter what situation they were in so that is the one thing he was in a slow plodding offense before so if they kind of move to an up pace slinging it type style that's where the most benefits going to come from from switching teams so we'll see with him I think Russell Wilson value wise until we are proven wrong about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, and we're, we're, we're shown that one of them are elite or even just top tier wide receivers, I don't think we can move Russell Wilson too far up our boards. Um, and in terms of those two guys, I, I'm with you. Right now, I'm leaning towards Jerry Judy due to the fact that he's going a little bit later. I think if I had to make a bet on who's going to be more productive this season, I would go towards Cortland Sutton. I think he's more he I think he's more a Russell Wilson type guy that he's going to be looking to. Um I think Jerry Judy could very well be the deep threat in this offense, but I think Sutton's going to be a guy getting higher volume. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I think at this point it's so close between the two of them that I just side with Judy due to the value of where you're getting him. You're getting him at wide receiver 28. Um, in regards to Sutton, or sorry, in opposed to Sutton going at wide receiver 25. So just due to how close it is, we don't really know how that's going to shake out. I'm just going to take the value of Judy there. Yep, I agree. I'm I'm glad me and you have the same opinion there. I think I think Corlin Sutton's being a little bit, not overhyped, but overvalued. Um, we just don't know. And I, I don't really want to spend a mid-third pick on him when there's other guys there that I know have that value and they're a number one guy in their offense. Um, for a team that has two running backs that could steal a lot of the red zone work, uh, Russ has no problem running the football in the end zone. We, we've seen that in Seattle. And then there's two guys there that we don't know. And I guess the last thing we didn't really scratch on and didn't talk about really was the tight end room. 
Um, do you have any interest in Alberto this year or even Greg Dolchich? I mean, even he's been supposedly overtaking his sp- Alberto's spot in camp. Yeah, um, I I don't see Greg Dolcich doing anything this year. Personally, he he is polished for for a rookie tight end. He is polished. He has very good hands, but it's it's Alberto. Alberto is going to be the starting tight end. I just am not overly excited about it. Russell Wilson has historically not used his tight ends a great amount. Um, even they traded for Jimmy Graham in the middle of his uh, prime. Like this was Jimmy Graham going off for 1,200 yards to Drew Brees. Comes over to Seattle and completely fell off. So I just don't see a crazy amount of upside with Alberto. Um, he might get some touchdowns. Like I said, there's not really any red zone threats per se. I wouldn't call Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy red zone threats. So that could be where his value is down on the goal line when they're wanting to throw the ball. I could see him getting some looks, which ultimately is the most important thing with a tight end. But I just don't see the upside with him due to the utter lack of targets that I foresee him getting. Yeah, and I think you cover the Broncos very well. Um, Two of not the weaker teams, but I guess you can say the weaker teams. And now we're getting into the good stuff. Now we're getting to two. So let's start with the Chiefs, Mace. You want to go over to your boys, the Chiefs? Let's go to the Chiefs. Let's go to the Chiefs. Right. What, are you, what are you thinking this year? I think they're going to struggle a lot more with Tyree, without Tyreek Hill than, than they think. Uh, Tyreek Hill was one of those guys, he was very boomer bust. So you think, oh, some games he doesn't really have an impact. But when you have a guy with that sheer amount of speed going up those sidelines, that changes the offense for everybody. Even if Tyreek Hill caught two balls in a game, the impact he had due to the way that defense had to play them because of his speed is is immense. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more crowded linebacker um, linebacker sets up the middle, kind of taking away those Kelsey drag routes, those Kelsey slants, those little comeback routes that he does where he just runs up the middle, comes back, and just seems to be wide open over the middle every time. Those aren't going to be open without Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill was the one that was pulling the linebackers and pulling the safeties up high enough for those to be open for Kelsey. Um, I think this offense is going to struggle a lot to start, and they'll probably smooth things out later in the year, just like they always do. But Mahomes, he's going to start slow. Again, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's still my quarterback three, but he will start slow, I believe, this year. And Travis Kelsey is going to be far less efficient. I think we're going to see an insane amount of targets going his way. So I think his fantasy production is going to be about the same, but he's going to be a lot more crowded. Um, He's going to, he's obviously getting older. He's 33 this year. So we've got an older Kelsey. We've got a Kelsey that's now the number one target is going to have all the attention on him. So I think production wise, or I I shouldn't say production wise, efficiency wise, we're going to see much less efficient Travis Kelsey. In terms of fantasy, it's not going to matter. He's going to still put up the same numbers just due to the volume he's going to get with Tyreek Hill gone. Um, When you look at the wide receivers, the only guy I really have interest in drafting right now is Sky Moore. Uh, I've been hearing great things out of camp about him, that he's, he's looking very polished, which coming out of college, he was an extremely polished route runner. He was, when I went through uh, all my 
my statistical analysis on wide receivers this year in terms of rookies, he was overall my second best route runner behind just Chris Olave. So he's a great route runner, a guy that's going to be able to create space right away. He's got wheels. Um, so I like the upside of Sky Moore, especially where he's going. He's not going too high at all right now. I think that's going to rise uh, as he puts up a couple of big games in preseason likely. Because right now he's wide receiver 59. I, I don't see that staying as is. Uh, but you look at the other guys, Nicole Hartman, I think he's just going to be the exact same as he's always been. He's just a field stretcher. Valdis Scantling, same thing. He's just a field stretcher. Juju could produce early on in the year. But again, I think Sky Moore is definitely going to take over that slot role as the season goes on. Juju, I just don't think is that good at football. He had one good season with Antonio Brown taking away all the attention, giving him just wide open catches over the slot. So I don't think Juju's that good of a player. I don't think he's that focused on football. And I don't want to invest in a guy that I don't think is that good at football. I know it, it seems like the sexy pick because Juju still holds some value just because of his name and he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. But I just don't see him doing much with this team. He's going to produce because there's just not many wide receivers there. But as the wide receiver 33, I'm way rather, I'd way rather take the shot on a guy like uh, Devonta Smith at that point or Rashad Bateman, a guy that I feel has true upside I think Juju this year, his upside is kind of like an 800, 850-yard season, which is a fine flex option. I get that. But when we're in the wide receiver, you know, 36s, 35s, I want to take the upside. So I don't think Juju does much. I just don't think he's that talented. And I think Skymore is breathing right down his neck to take away that slot role. Um, In terms of running backs, I have no desire (laughs) to touch any of them. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not getting goal line carries. Uh, I heard a crazy stat. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has 12 goal line carries in his career, and six of those were in his debut. So 50% of all of his goal line carries came in one game, his first game ever. And he got stuffed and stuffed and stuffed, and that's why they stopped going to him. So they've, they've said clearly, not verbally, but through the way that they have done their personnel in the past, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not getting the ball on the goal line. It's not happening. Um, And that's going to immediately handicap him in terms of his upside. So I don't see Clyde as an RB1 or an RB2. I've got him at RB30 right now. Um, And I think that's where I'd be comfortable. Kind of a midway RB3 is where I'd be okay with him. Anything higher than that, you should not be relying on this guy as a week-to-week starter. He's maybe a guy that gets a flex look in in bye weeks, but that's it. Um, Ronald Jones, Jarek McKinnon, and even Isaiah Pacheco, who has been making some noise in camp as well, those are going to be the guys that are getting the goal line carries, but then I don't think they're getting the work down the field, uh, in, in, in the middle of the field. So I don't see them having any upside due to a lack of usage in, and a, a lack of yardage because none of them are really efficient either. So it's just kind of a mess. It's going to be a running back by committee. Clyde's going to be a guy getting all the work going down the field, getting the yardage, but then not getting the touchdowns, which is going to cap him. And then Ronald Jones, Jarek McKinnon are going to be getting those touchdowns without the yardage. So I don't see anyone being a week in week out starter in terms of this running back room. The only guys I'm liking 
are Travis Kelsey and then Mahomes if he gets to you in the right spot. But again, I think Mahomes starts a little slow, and I wouldn't be looking to draft him any earlier than a mid-fourth round pick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see the decline in the offense, and I guess we knew that was coming when Tyreek Hill got traded, but I'm glad, personally, I, I'm glad that he's gone. I, I think this year will be bad, but the return you got on him, it's worth it. And now even seeing Miami lose even more first-round picks is kind of funny. So they gave up a lot for Tyreek Kill, And if he was going to leave anyways, and he was it, – it just didn't really seem like he wanted to be there anymore. And, and, and if he's like that, then why do you want him to stay, right? Um, even as immediately as he got to Dolphins, he was already saying that Tua is a more accurate passer. He was already saying stuff like that. So there must be something behind the scenes there. Um, but back to fantasy, I disagree with you on one guy. Um, and that's Juju. I know you're not the biggest fan on Juju Mace, but if you look at the years that he's played fully healthy, even last year, we know that what happened, he only played the five games, but in 2020, he still had 800 yards and nine touchdowns. And that was with big Ben on his decline. And then he had 1,407 the one year when AB, like you said, left. And obviously I don't see him getting 1,400 yards. But if Juju gets 1,007 touchdowns, I would not be shocked. I, I think his usage would be off the charts. He's looked really, really good and sharp in camp. So if he can stay healthy, he is for sure the number one there. I know Sky Moore is more of a gadget guy. I think he'll still got a lot of touches. But from day one on, I think Juju will be the wide receiver one there. Um, and where he's being drafted is kind of crazy, in my opinion. Like, for the wide receiver one, the Kansas City Chiefs offense, I would expect him to be going in the third or fourth. I know it's Juju. He hasn't really had a fully healthy year. But he's being drafted in the late sixth, early seventh round. So you got to look at him there. I mean, the guys in his range don't really jump out of the paper at me. Um, so if you if you see Juju there, I agree, though. I think Sky Moore will go to the slot. Um, probably by middle of the season. I just think that his talent is there and Juju can be more effective on the outside. But a lot of his stuff, like we know, will be short to medium uh, passes. But as far as running back room, I agree with you. Uh, that Clyde stat's pretty wild, actually. I, I didn't believe when you first said that. I looked it up and you were right. But that's that just that shows what his career has been like, you know? He has not been able to stay healthy. He's never had a full offseason where he's actually been able to really develop his game. Every offseason, there's been injuries to work with. And I think that kind of dampened his progression as a player. Um, we knew that coming out of college, though, that he wasn't the best NFL running back, per se. Uh, he was a part of that historic LSU offense, but it was all receiving work. And we knew that um, he was a better receiver. And he comes here, and now all of a sudden, Mahomes doesn't want to throw to his running backs. Or Andy Rue doesn't call any design plays for him. So it's just been a lot of, it's been a string of just bad situations for him. Uh, I really want him to turn it around, but I really liked him a few weeks ago when he's being drafted in the eighth, ninth round. I was like, okay, that's worth it. But I'm not sure why, but all of a sudden he's being drafted in like the early seventh, mid seventh. And you look at the players there, like Juju's in that range. Like, I just don't need to take Clyde there. Um, as far as Rojo goes, I just, no, I, I, there's, I don't see a point in rostering him. If you're in a deeper league, though, I really would consider Isaiah Pachicho. Um, he's Pachicho? a really Pachicho, Pacheco. Pacheco. I don't know how you pronounce his name? <laughs> no, Pacheco. 
Oh, it's okay. But I, I like Pachicho though. Pachicho. I, I heard I heard Pachicho <laughs> on Fancy Pros. They pronounce no it Pachicho. Yeah. They, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to No need no need to call Fancy Pros out, but that. I did hear Pachicho. <laughs> we'll but, have to fact check that. No, it he has been kind of jumping out of the board really because even today or last night there's an article that came out, and I know this is a long stretch, but uh one of the beat reporters compared him to Kareem Hunt. Um, and that's a stretch. I, I don't believe that. Uh, if he really was being a Kareem Hunt like player, we would have heard of it. Um, but if you're in a deeper league, if you're in a bench, if you're in a, a league with like eight, nine bench slots, you grab him in the late rounds just because you know that it's a high powered offense and he's there. Um, it, it's just a flyer and, and there's no really risk there because he's being drafted like the 17th round. And I, I don't really see why you just wouldn't risk. I know he's the on paper RB4 in Kansas City, but the guys in between Clyde don't have any upside. We know what Rojo's going to do, and we know what Jerick McKinnon's going to do. So if it came down to those two guys or giving the rookie a shot, I'm going to give the rookie a shot. You give the younger, the more talented player the shot, and that was usually what happens. And that's what happened with Cream Hunt. So we'll see. I don't see him obviously doing that unless there's a major injury. And even then, he's not Cream Hunt. We know that. He, he's not. He's a seventh-round pick. He's not as talented. Um Stepping away from there, I mean, the tight end room, we don't really have to talk about it. It's Travis Kelsey. Um, he's pretty much a lock at tight end one again this year. I think even this year, like you said, it is going to be harder for him, though, because uh, you're right. Like, Tyreek always made them run two safeties deep. Now they probably won't have to. Uh, so there's another guy in the middle now. Uh, but I still think he surpasses 1,000 yards easily. Um, he'll probably be, well, not probably, he will be, he will be the go-to red zone guy. I could see him having a very good year touchdown wise, but maybe a step back in the receptions and the, uh, and the yard wise. But as far as the chiefs go, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they do this year. Um, we'll get to that. I have a hot take on their standings this year, but we got one more team to cover mace. Um, one of the most high powered offenses, if not the most, in my opinion, just looking at this depth chart makes me excited for football. Mace, I'll let you start off. Yeah, we're going to go over the Los Angeles Chargers. Just absolutely loaded from head to toe. They've got the consensus, and I would agree upon it, QB2 this year in Justin Herbert, the only quarterback aside from Josh Allen that you should even consider in the third round. You go to the running back room, Austin Eckler, I, I've got him up there again this year. I've got him currently. I'm just going to quickly fact check. Yeah, I've got him as my RB4 this season once again. So no concerns in terms of the Isaiah Spiller edition for me. I don't think it's going to hurt Austin Eckler. So much of what Eckler does is through the air. And I think even if we see a step back um, in his touchdowns and his rushing yards, I don't see anything to be concerned about. He's He stayed relatively healthy. Over the last two years, aside from a couple small injuries, um, I believe it was a hamstring two years ago in, in week one, caught him. Um, but Austin Eckler, locked and loaded, absolute floor to me due to his receiving yards and how loaded this offense is, is an RB12. So you're getting an RB1 no matter what. And we go to Isaiah Spiller. Just to be completely blunt, I really think Spiller's not a good running back whatsoever i had him in the in my pre-draft analysis before the nfl draft i had him as my rb 13 
in this rookie class. So I really think he's he's just not that good. So I don't think he's going to steal nearly the rushing work from Eckler that some people are thinking. Um, Spiller played at Texas A&M, and he was the junior there last season. And there's another running back on the roster that was a sophomore uh, named Devin A-Chain, which you're going to hear a lot of that name coming into next season, a lot of Devin A-Chain talk. But Devin A-Chain way outperformed Isaiah Spiller, the junior. So Spiller, yeah, he put up great numbers. But when you compare his numbers to the other running backs in that room, he was very inefficient. So I think that just kind of shows more that it's a great running game they've got going there. Um, He did not perform better than his colleagues there in that running back uh, room in Texas A&M. And that's highly concerning to me because it's showing he he was underperforming the way he should have been. So I don't think Spiller's a great running back whatsoever. Nothing you have to worry about. I think, and this... Might, I might sound like an idiot in six months, but he's Josh Kelly with hands. He's Joshua Kelly with hands. So I don't see really much of uh, any threat to Austin Eckler in terms of Isaiah Spiller. And in terms of Spiller as a standalone player, I think he's going absurdly high at RB39. The only way I see this guy even being a consideration to being in your lineup is an Eckler injury. So the only person that should be drafting him is the Austin Eckler owner as a handcuff to cover themselves in case of injury. Because aside from that, I really don't see any standalone value as a player. Uh, In terms of wide receivers, though, this team is loaded. Absolutely loaded. This is the first team we've gone through, I believe, where there are three wide receivers that I think are great at their ADP. We've got Keenan Allen right now. We've got Josh Palmer. And we've got Mike Williams. We all know who Keenan Allen is. He's been an elite wide receiver for years, and he's going to continue to do his thing. He's wide receiver 11 right now, going in the end, mid mid to late third round all day long. I'm good with that. Uh, Mike Williams is going at wide receiver 19, which I think is a little bit risky due to the amount that he relies on deep plays and, and touchdowns, but... I think there's going to be a lot of deep plays and touchdowns in this offense. So if you want to go with a nice upside play, I like Mike Williams where he is, especially with the guys around him. You can kind of draft based off of your roster. So the other guys around there, we've got DJ Moore, you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, those kind of guys. So if you want to go for the Hail Mary, you can take your Mike Williams. If you need something a little safer, you can take your DJ Moore. So Mike Williams, it's fair where he's going. It's just really going to be up to roster construction. And then the last guy that I really like is Joshua Palmer, the uh, the Canadian boy, fellow Canadian, going at wide receiver 66, um, right around Van Jefferson. So I think it's fair because those are both, you know, number three targets in high power offenses. I just think Josh Palmer has the ability to be a lot more than a wide receiver three. If at the end of the year, Josh Palmer ended with more targets than Mike Williams, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think Josh Palmer could command a lot more targets than we think. He's soared through the depth chart. He was a third round pick last year, so he's got a year under his belt. Anytime we saw him get a chance last year, he looked great. So I love him at wide receiver 66. I've got him a lot higher than that in mind. Um, I'll have to find exactly where that is, but... Palmer at 66. Yeah, I've got him up at 54. 
So 66 to me is seeming like a massive value for a guy that's going to be the number three on an amazing Chargers offense. He's one injury away from being a week-to-week starter. Anyone that is a wide receiver one or wide receiver two on this team is a guy that's going to be in your lineup every single week. So really excited about Josh Palmer, really excited with this offense in general, but stay away from Isaiah Spiller. He is the poison of this offense. Do not draft Isaiah Spiller unless you have Austin Eckler. Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you mentioned uh, Mr. Palmer at the end there because you know how high I am am on him. Uh, He is just uber talented, and like Mason said, one injury away, and you are getting an absolute beast on that team. Um, you look at, I don't, I don't want to wish for anything injuries. That's not what we're here to do, but Keenan Allen is 30. Like he is getting up there. Um, it's at that age where receivers do kind of take that step back. I still think he's, I love Keenan Allen. I always have. I think that he's just one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL. And he, he's just retired that way too. Um, Mike Williams, I think his ADP is a little too high. Uh, he had a great year last year. I understand that. Um, but it was like his first really fully healthy year since 2019, I guess the year before he got hurt, he missed a few games. Um, but with the emergence of Joshua Palmer, I don't think Mike Williams should be going where he is actually going. Um, I just look at those three guys. I'm like, it could be the best wide receiver core in the NFL by the end of the year. Um, we're looking at a very, a rising star. Um, well, already a top three quarterback in the NFL, Herbert. And for all the dynasty owners that are listening, um, if someone has Josh Palmer on their team, get him because he will be Herbert's target for the next seven years after Keenan Allen's gone. He will be the number one there. Um, Mike Williams, 27. He's getting up there. Uh, we know he's getting paid, but my guy there is Josh Palmer stepping away from the receiver room. Cause we've already talked about that enough. I agree. I don't like Isaiah Spiller at all. Um, I, I watched him a little bit in college and I watched some highlights on him, but he is, does he not just seem mediocre Mace? Like he just seems like an average. He's just fine. He's He's, fine. He's a plotter. Like I said, he's he's Joshua Kelly with hands. Yeah. He can plot up the middle. He can get you a couple yards because he's a big boy and he can catch well, but that's really, yeah. He's nothing dynamic. Yeah. Um, But I'm interested. You you said you have a hot take about the standings. Well, yeah. You know what? I think we covered them pretty well. Uh, You went in pretty depth, so I don't really need to comment that much. Um, But for standings, before we do our outro, at one, I have the Chargers. That's not a hot take. But at number two, Mace, I have the Denver Broncos. I do, too. So so far, at three, I have the Chiefs. And at four, I have the Raiders. And that's my standings. So I have an even hotter take then. Wow. Is this um, going to happen? I think it's going to happen. I've got the Chiefs at one. Wow. I, or sorry, the Chargers at one. Yeah. My apologies. Chargers at one. I've got Broncos at two. But my number three team, I have Derek Carr and wow. the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. I've got, I think every team in this uh, division finishes above 500. Every Easily. single one. Yeah. But I think the Chiefs win nine games. I think the Raiders win 10. I think the Broncos win 11. And we see the Chargers with 13. So that's my hot take. Chiefs come last place in the AFC West. But Mikey, we got to wrap this up. We're running mm-hmm. out of time here. We can't keep the people. We can't hold them up too much longer. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the 5050 Fantasy Podcast. We appreciate all your support. 
Uh, shout out to, to all the subscribers out there. Smash that subscribe button. Listen to every episode. We love you all. Have yourself an excellent day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 